I'm Mike Butler. <laughs> and I'm Elise. And you're listening to Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Oh, snap. How you guys doing? <laughs> what up, what up? Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, so Boo. this week... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This week, we are featuring Bake Sale by Tribus Brewery here in Milford. Now, Bake Sale is a pastry stout, uh, and it's the result of a collaboration between Tribus. Um, and you may remember we actually featured Tribus back in our episode about cereal beers. Milford, uh, Connecticut, y'all. Not <laughs> Milford, Ohio. Ah, uh, fucking Milford, Ohio. Um <laughs> So that was cereal spiller and scratch baking, which is also in Milford. I actually happen to work a few doors down from scratch. So we can both vouch for how amazing their their baked goods are just all on their own. What's the name of that cookie I love? The espresso chocolate chip. Oh, yeah. Just saying it. <laughs> can you taste it? Mm, it's salted <laughs> and sweet and perfect. Espresso-y and awesome. <laughs> so like I said. Bake Sale is a pastry stout, and it clocks in at a whopping 10.5% ABV. Oh, I didn't know we were going to get fucked up this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it must be all of the deliciousness thrown into this mix. Listen to this. From Scratch Bakery, buttery cookies thrown right into the mash, and their butter cookies are dangerous. And then we've got molasses added in the kettle. And finally, they don't mess around. We've got maple syrup, toasted almonds, cacao nibs, and vanilla added into the fermenter. Tribus says this one is rich, luscious, and deliciously drinkable at the same time, making it a perfect beer to kick off the holiday season. And Tribus is, in an earlier episode we reviewed, when we reviewed their cereal spiller, mm-hmm. I gushed about their Capulus beer, ah, which is their back. coffee stout, which is back at their brewery. But also, I think I said it was one of my favorite coffee stouts I've ever had. It's true. And so if they do that, that well... I'm very excited for this pastry stuff. Yes. I can't wait to crack it open. Mm-hmm. We have not tried this <laughs> Crack <yet>. it open. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so what is a pastry stout, you may ask? Well, dear listener, fear not, because of course I did my homework. A pastry stout <laughs> seems to shoot up. <laughs> so a pastry stout seems to be considered an offshoot of other dessert beers in that a pastry stout is much sweeter than your traditional or imperial stout. Um, On top of that normal roasty base you would find in a stout, for example, there are adjuncts added into the mix, like cacao nibs, vanilla, or coffee. Or when you get even more experimental, uh, stuff like cookies, cake, cereal, and so on. So in my research, it seems like pastry stouts have been around for a while, but really only recently became popular. There were actually a bunch of articles back even just from 2017 that were straight up hating on them. Josh Noel, a writer for the Chicago Tribune, who has been covering the beer industry for them since 2009, said in 2017, I have concluded that craft beer is betraying itself. It's forgetting what beer should taste like. And that was right after he had attended a festival featuring barrel aged beer and lots of different stouts. So it just goes to show how quickly and constantly things are changing in the beer industry. Uh, there's really no guarantee that a trendy beer is going to stick around for too long. Well, this is what I would say to uh, Josh was his name. <laughs> Listen, Josh, <laughs> you got a fancy job. This is two years ago. Talk also. about fancy beers. Yeah. What beer should taste like? Beer should taste like whatever brewers decide beer should taste like. If it's not for you, that's fine. Which brings me to my next point. 
In an interview from beerandbrewing.com, Mark Thiessen, uh, the head brewer at Coronado Brewing Company, says this. There's definitely a trend toward beers inspired by things that aren't drinks. It's Darwinism, where you have to evolve and make make interesting things and become known for original beers and have something unique that allows you to be at the forefront of people's minds. I feel like that's pretty accurate. That is true. But also, I hate when people say that's not beer or this is not beer. That's not what beer should be. Beer's what you make Beer's it. Beer's what you make it. Is it a beer? Is it a beer base? Is it just a different flavor beer? You might not like it. There are some beers that I really don't but like that at does, all. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean it's not beer. Yeah. I'm not a big Saison guy, but I don't drink a Saison and go, that's not beer. It's just a beer. I'm not a, that's not for it's me. It's not for your But palate. I know that you love Saisons. Yes. And I know that a lot of people like Saisons. It's, ugh, I hate that. I hate that kind of opinion. But obviously opinions have changed since a few years ago because dessert and pastry stouts are everywhere, especially like now this time of year where it's getting colder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Another article from Beer and Brewing attributed the rise in popularity to the nostalgia factor of all the different flavor inspirations for the stouts. And that makes sense. If you can trigger a childhood memory with a sip of a beer, that's pretty huge. Like it's a a nice way to hook people. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that kind of like experience when I was tasting mm-hmm. a beer, even the cereal spiller, which had a decent amount of cereal in yeah. it because it, it still tastes like beer. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Actually, that there is, I don't know if it would be considered a pastry stout, but a couple of years ago, we went to Two Roads Tree Lighting. Yep. Um, oh, the Anise. Yeah, it was two, cookie one. the one from 2000. Yeah, it's 2017. Mm-hmm. It's not last year's. And yeah, they did an Anise cookie. I think it was a stout. I, I thought that was infused into their holiday ale. Maybe it was, it was just an like ale. an but an that, did, that. that tasted so much like just the cookie yeah. and had very little what you might consider like a malty or hoppy beer taste that mm-hmm. yes, that maybe did trigger. That might be the one beer that triggered a childhood nostalgia experience. Okay. The other ones have hints of that that I enjoy, but maybe didn't trigger like flashbacks. <laughs> but we also haven't cracked this one open yet, so. True. Maybe it'll have the same. We're getting there. We're getting there. So the the amount of lists of like top 10 pastry stouts that I came across is pretty ridiculous, a little overwhelming. And it does seem like something that is more popular in smaller local breweries, like not something that you would necessarily be able to get at any given liquor store because there were so many that I've never heard of. And it's kind of disappointing because a lot of them sound pretty delicious, Um, like Carnival Bake Sale from LIC Beer Project in Queens. Um, or the, well, that's not too far. We can we could take a road trip. That's true. Then there's the sexual chocolate imperial stout <laughs> <laughs> from Foothills Brewing in North Carolina. Uh, the tiramisu funeral bar from Surly Brewing in Minnesota. Uh, did you say tiramisu? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, how far? How long a drive from Connecticut to Minnesota? <laughs> is Minnesota? Is it? Because I might have to get this. I love tiramisu, and I I think I need this in my life. It's true. Uh, or Biggie's Bon Bon Bonanza from Alvarado <laughs> Brewing. Uh, Al- I'm sorry, Alvarado Street Brewery in California. On a side note, where do I sign up to get a, a job naming these beers? These are awesome. <laughs> I know. All right, enough teasing. Let's crack this open. I have a question about your homework, though. Are most pastry shots high um, in alcohol content like this one is? It does seem like most of them are 8.0 or above. Interesting. I'm wondering if that has to do with how you have to brew it. I'm also wondering if it's more... Or if the sugar adds extra fermentation. That is true. And I wonder if it's mostly... I just pulled that out of my ass though. (laughs) (laughs) It's possible. I mean, I know the sugar does aid in that and is pretty much the entirety of the... Yeah, because remember how much it uh, affected the carbonation of the beer that we made? Yep. 
So, but I was also wondering if maybe they were small batch only for the most part pastry stouts because of how much pastries and baked goods they actually require to make the stout. Oh. I wonder if you can really only do small batch. I wonder if like, yeah, because that would cost know, a lot. Goose to Island get that many. or even like the, the big one, the biggest ones like um, like Bud, Coors, Yingling, like they're not going to put out something crazy like that. Although no. Yingling did put out a Hershey's beer. But I almost wonder if they don't do that because of how like for distributors like that, they only make big batch. Mm -hmm. So I almost wonder if they kind of would, uh, they would shy away from doing something super interesting like that. But also it would require just so much cookies. (laughs) Too much (laughs) cookies. All the cookies. (laughs) But anyway, those are my two. That's my color commentary for the day. Okay. (laughs) Let's, let's get some beers. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Whoa. It's got a very reddish tint to it. I didn't expect that. Cheers. Yay. The bubbles are a little more red than I figured, but maybe that's the molasses that's in there. Oh. It does have a wow. cakey. Yeah. It smells like a stout, but the like the initial smell is like, oh, that's a stout. But as you keep smelling it, you do get you get a lot of vanilla. You get a mm-hmm. lot of vanilla. It's like the cacao, like the like straight thing. up. Taste it. <laughs> you get that. You get that sharpness of the cacao at the end, mm-hmm. but the initial smell—it's like stout vanilla, as if you're smelling vanilla extract, yeah. like an open bottle of vanilla extract—and then you get that sharpness of cacao at the end. Mm-hmm. That's rich. It is rich. It is really smooth too. Extremely. It doesn't have a bite on the end. Like it doesn't. No, it doesn't taste like ten point five. It, it tastes strong. Like if you told me, oh, it's an eight percent beer, I would be okay. But yeah, it doesn't taste like a ten. No. It tastes like. Dessert. <laughs> this is. It tastes like dessert. It tastes like you're eating that. Like we love really dark chocolate. Yeah. So like it the, tastes that, like, like when 70, we get that seventy five percent. Yeah. Like that just on the line of you can't eat it. Yeah. Bitter but still sweet. Bitter, slightly sweet, but so smooth. Very smooth. And with this awesome chocolate aftertaste, is mm-hmm. if you just ate a, ch- a dark chocolate bar, like yeah. you get, you just get that with no bitterness in your mouth at all. Nope. That sometimes I associate like a, a metallic bitterness sometimes with the stout. Mm-hmm. I don't have enough stouts get, to compare. You get none of that. See, that's the thing about Tribus is, is a lot of people go to Tribus because they have, uh, obviously this is not, this is also one of them. <laughs> they have very strong beers, Yeah, but they have a lot of very strong deceptively strong yeah how i feel tribus is more known for when i think tribus i think a lot of really strong double or triple ipas and Mm -hmm. ipas but based on capulus and this the uh bake sale like their stouts are out of this world agreed like these are amazing at it it's weird because normally if you're an ipa guy you don't not necessarily a stout guy Mm -hmm. i like you know in the wintertime i love stouts it's true and this is again just like capulus this is amazing like I kind of want to go to the brewery and get more. <laughs> it is so rich and so smooth. And even when my upper lip hits the, hits the beer, mm-hmm. like you get the, do you get that? You get like this, because it's a stout, it's not super yeah. fizzy, but it's like this rich kind of thickness over your lips. Like you're drinking like hot cocoa or something like that. Although it doesn't taste like hot cocoa, like that, that kind of like yeah. mouthfeel, like a, a cold, hot chocolate kind of. I wonder if that's from the cookies, the, like the butter cookies. Yeah. The, the butter cookies or the molasses, something mm-hmm. smooth. Yeah. And 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 textured. What are you thinking? What do you what are you getting? No, I I agree with you that the that bittersweet chocolate, the vanilla extract, but without the bite of it. Oh, man, this is amazing. This is not at all what I thought this would taste like either. Oh, I had no idea what to expect, but this I, is, I knew this would be dark. <laughs> no regrets. I thought I honestly expected something really sweet. Mm-hmm. 
which this is not super sweet and not in a, like a bad way. I, no, I, I don't really like not. things that are super, super sweet. Well, sometimes I do, but not always. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this isn't because you get the richness and the smoothness, you really get to taste all the flavors because the sweetness would kill it. It would almost make yeah. it really bitter. And I, if it was sweeter, it might taste like 10%. That's also true. I th- I think the one of the words that they used to describe the beer, luscious, is 100% like on the nose. That's good. That's a good description of that feeling I'm getting on that mm-hmm. top lip when I go in for a, a sip because mm-hmm. we poured it into, um, we poured our, steins in, our, our stouts into the steins. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot of that on that upper lip. Yeah. I mean, this is really, really something else. This is, this is a fantastic... <laughs> <laughs> holiday time winter beer not even holiday time because like honestly like late january on a snowy day oh this like, would be awesome i've come in from shoveling i'm not cold anymore yeah and i just want to now just chilling i want a beer i'm all warmed up time for a beer this i yeah like this doesn't warm you up either which is almost no. disappointing but helps with it's not like super strong like the sharpness of it true the 10 percent is gonna kick my ass later it's gonna sneak up on me that's probably the dangerous thing about this <laughs> But oh my God, this is fantastic. Great job, Tribus. This is yeah, amazing. We will be back to hopefully get more before this goes away. I also really like the can. Oh, the can the <laughs> art on the can is adorable. I love it so much. It's cartoony kind of It's actually by I believe it's a local artist. Oh really? They, they attributed it to someone I um on Instagram and I I can't recall the name for the life of me, but I believe it's a local artist. Yeah. So the can has a turquoise green? So it's a turquoise green, green background with some different sugar cookies in the background, chocolate chip cookies. We get basically what you would find in a, an assorted box on Christmas Day when you open your tin. Yep. Plus some chocolate chip cookies. And then the word bake sale is made cartoonishly out of different kind of cookies. So frosted cookies, colored cookies, chocolate chip cookies, chocolate cookies. What well, looks like a looks croissant. Looks like a thumb, thumbprint the cookie there yep. with the jelly in the middle. Oh, that's okay. Yep. <laughs> So it's all very cartoony. It's really colorful. It's really cool. It kind of gives you exact like a vibe of what it's going to be. And then on the side, you've get in these it's a, they're very kind of understated, the writing on their cans, which is kind of cool. Yeah, simplistic. They it's, use three descriptors for every different can. They Right. And the descriptors aren't necessarily super specific. Like they don't go mosaic hops, super hops. No, sometimes they do. But like they just tell you what you're going to taste, which is interesting because they say chocolate, almond and crumble. I don't know if I don't I, know if I really get the almond as much. Yeah, I don't know if I get the almond. I can kind of get like the if crumbles like the kind of cookie they're going for. I kind of mm. get that. Yeah, I, I would say crumbly as in the butter cookie. Butter cookie, which I have next to me. I have a butter cookie from, from Scratch, Scratch Bakery. Bakery. So I'm sure this is the same type that they put in the mash or at least similar yep. too. So we're about to have a bite of that. <laughs> oh my God. It's like a gigantic <laughs> version of the best cookie in the tins. Right, now let me follow by a sip. Yeah, sip the beer. Oh, they go together really. They it go pairs. together so well. It pairs really well. <laughs> Anyone who's local to Milford, highly recommend picking up some <laughs> butter cookies from Scratch Baking before you get your uh, or when you drink your bake sale. Oh yeah. Oh, this goes together so well. We're Do tra- we need dinner after this? We need more cookies <laughs> and uh, we need more uh, bake sale. Yeah, I'm absolutely gonna be purchasing more, we need more bake of sale this. as soon as I can. <laughs> Uh, we got it as part of a mixed pack, though. A mixed pack, yeah, with Rhyme Book and Boom Shakalaka. Yes, Boom Shakalaka is dank. And I love Rhyme Book, so it worked out well. It did. <laughs> <laughs> Should we move on? Yeah, you can move on. I'll never move on. Well, I mean... I get you. Not move on from the beer. We're, we'll <laughs> keep drinking the beer, for sure. You should move on. I'll never move on from this beer. 
But yo, if you're talking reviews, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got a few news tidbits for y'all. Oh, snap. <laughs> so Sorry. now we know. <laughs> See, I'm not making fun of you because I'm nice. I'm a nice person. You should just erase that. I don't even want that to exist. I don't care. Well, Do you're you not want. the one that edits this podcast. <laughs> oh, snap. Times two. The deuce. <laughs> So uh, now we know what Ted Danson will be up to after The Good Place ends. A Cheers reunion? No, unfortunately. Uh. (laughs) Uh, NBC just announced a new comedy starring Danson and Holly Hunter, as well as Bobby Moynihan, but not Piece of Toast. (laughs) 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 If you don't get that joke, you need to watch more Rick and Morty. Um, But for right now, this show will be called The Mayor, but it comes from the minds of 30 Rock writing duo Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. I'm already in. Yep. Apparently, the original plan was to make it a 30 Rock spinoff starring Alec Baldwin, but the article I read on Hollywood Reporter didn't really explain why that did not work out. But I'm sure Ted Danson will do a great job anyway. Baldwin um, probably didn't want to commit to another series. Sitcom. He didn't yeah. want to do 30 Rock to begin with. It took a lot of... Really? It took a lot of... Uh, convincing. Convincing to get him to commit to a series. He didn't huh. think he was funny. Aww. But he learned that he had comedic acting chops. That's why he... Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of times credits Tina Fey for this career rebirth he experienced hmm. during and after 30 Rock. Interesting. Because like I didn't he know kind that. of picked up more acting than he knew he had. Hmm. Another side of him. Which is probably also how he was uh, convinced to play Trump on SNL. Yeah, but I think he probably doesn't want to commit to stuff because I think he's more of a film actor. I don't think he likes having that, you know, 20 something episode commitment kind of thing going on. Mm, it is more long term. Is this going to be on their network or on their streaming channel when it sh- when it starts? That it didn't specify. It just said NBC. Okay. Um, so the premise the of <laughs> the premise of the series will be that Danson is a wealthy businessman who runs for mayor of Los Angeles for all the wrong reasons. And once he wins, he has to figure out what he stands for, gain the respect of his staff and connect with his teenage daughter, all while humanely controlling the coyote population. <laughs> <laughs> and Hunter will play a councilwoman who makes no secret of her disdain for Danson's mayor, whom she considers unqualified, sexist, and too tall to be trusted. Uh, she's <laughs> going to fall in love with him. Oh, yeah. That's obvious. Um, and the show is earmarked to air sometime during the 2020 to 21 uh, broadcast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So do you have any other news tidbits or should I move on to my next one? So this is kind of different because it's not, it's pop culture but it's also kind of technology. Which we've done before. I believe in one of our first podcasts, we talked about something about mice and... Oh, we did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. See, see, throwback. I remember the first episode, we also did Paranormal News, which I, I got to get back to because that's that's why you guys are all here, right? You listen to a beer, <laughs> beer podcast about Y'all have just been waiting stuff. for that to come back. <laughs> uh, but today, as of this recording, uh, Elon Musk and his Tesla division have announced the Tesla Cybertruck, a truck, pickup truck, electric cyberpunk fever dream that he has been talking (laughs) about for a long time now and they announced it they had a conference they showed it off and it is polarizing but let me get right off the bat if you're here for me to 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 poop on this i love this truck oh yeah he i am obsessed with this he told me this morning he was ready to put down the hundred dollar deposit to pre-order you can pre-order it for just a hundred dollars it would be stupid not to it's fully refundable people fully refundable (laughs) if we're too broke when it comes out we just say, sorry, I got to cancel my pre-order. I'm actually shocked it's at like how... It's like the GameStop of cars. <laughs> I'm actually shocked at how like affordable it would be 
it's actually the starting price for this car is actually cheaper than the Ford F-150 or most what? of the top of the line pickup trucks. This thing is amazingly powerful, has a bunch of different specs. It looks really cool, depending on your opinion. It looks like something out of out of a cyberpunk novel. It looks like um, if the DeLorean needed to also uh, carry a whole bunch of luggage, mm-hmm. like if you were going long distance trips back in time, <laughs> uh, it has a stainless steel exterior that is bullet resistant against nine millimeter caliber bullets. So first of all, you driving through a bad neighborhood? Don't worry about it. You're, you're <laughs> driving a military type vehicle that looks like it's from the Nintendo 64 early Xbox uh, Halo. Yep. Uh, which is a lot of memes that have come out have, have been all about that. Oh, yeah. But that's I what I, one this afternoon. That, that's what I love about this thing. <laughs> it looks exactly how you want a, like the cool concept cars. We go to we've well, you've gone to the New York Auto Show with me once. I've gone a couple of times. Yeah. I love the concept cars. I oh, love yeah. future. You know, I love futuristic things. Mm-hmm. Love them. And this is so futuristic. Everything about this car, the stainless steel design, the windows are made out of an actual type of metal, which during their showcase and everybody, again, poops on this. They threw a a a metal bearing at the windows and they shattered. And not yes, even fully shattered, you said, just like. Well, they shattered, but they it, didn't break. It didn't go through the window. The window okay. stayed intact. It yeah. just it. It shattered. It Which broke. is all you can really ask of it, right? <laughs> you threw a metal ball through a, yeah. uh, an experimental metal glass. It shattered, but didn't go through. Go outside. I dare you. Throw a metal ball through your window. Yeah. I right now claim no responsibility for the damage incurred <laughs> to your car, but it will break through your window and end up somewhere either through another window <laughs> or on your driver's seat or another seat in your car. This thing bounced off the window. It shattered the glass, but never went through. That's impressive. It is. And he said, even Elon said during the presentation when it happened, I guess we have a little bit more work to do. And he smiled. Mm-hmm. But I think he smiled because he knew it didn't matter. It still didn't go through. And a bunch of morons are going to throw it at an F-150. And in that same display, and no one talks about this, they took a sledgehammer to the door of like another uh, comparable pickup truck Mm -hmm. and it dented the crap out of that door. They took the same sledgehammer and smacked the heck out of that door and nothing happened. No dent, no scratch, no nothing on that stainless steel exterior door. That's impressive. Yeah. And he showed little um, snippets of bullets hitting panels of this. And they didn't shoot the car on display, Mm -hmm. but they did shoot. They had uh, videos of them shooting panels. I have not yet hunted down the full Presentation. presentation video. I've just seen snippets so far, but it does not go through, which is really impressive. And honestly, what more do you need in a commercial vehicle? I mean, yeah. you're not going through. I mean, if the apocalypse happens, this is the vehicle for you as long as Tesla refueling machines are still available. Yeah. <laughs> but he wanted it to be cyberpunky. He wanted it to look different. He wanted it to stand out in a crowd and Guess what? It does. It's everything Mm -hmm. he promised. And this is a guy that makes insane promises. He doesn't deliver on all of them, but he delivers on a a decent amount of them. Mm -hmm. And this guy's imagination and stuff, you can't knock that. I mean, this guy has changed the way we look at a lot of things, even if they aren't successful. I mean, Tesla Mm -hmm. in Connecticut, you don't see a ton, Um, maybe more in California In Southern California might see a lot more, but you see a few, but I mean, he promised like it would be everywhere, but like his solar panel ideas, the tunneling technology, the the underground highways that are going to come out soon. Mm -hmm. SpaceX is doing amazing things, even if they do have some failures every once in a while. I mean, this guy is, is an amazing visionary. visionary, the type of which we have not had in a long time, although... Yes, he might be wrong sometimes and make insane claims and business wise, make some questionable decisions. Yeah. (laughs) 
But you, you gotta, by, by and large, you have to ad, give him credit. Admire the guy. And this truck is exactly what he wanted and exactly what he's putting out. And some people don't like it. They don't like the polygon. And I get that. It's why a lot of car companies are afraid to release something that looks like this. Mm-hmm. Why they only stick with it as a concept. And the inside of this, this vehicle is huge. Um, it's got a lot of space. It's got a very minimalist dashboard with just a 17 inch uh, screen that runs off their new OS system, I guess, for Tesla. The steering wheel is a little different. It looks almost like a... Um, Almost like you'd see in like a Blade Runner style cyberpunky yeah. uh, oh, floating I thought, car. I thought Blade Runner immediately. Yeah, a- absolutely. And w- which is what he was going for. The car is predicted to come out in 2021. Obviously, they've already built one as a prototype. There are three different types. Your starter, which starts at thirty nine thousand nine hundred dollars, which is super cheap for a truck like this yeah. that runs on a Tesla thing. It's super impressive. It's going to go from zero to 60 in a little under six point five seconds. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Its range is going to be over 250 miles. It's rear wheel drive. Uh, apparently, it's got a ton of storage. Uh, I was reading a previews that were at the event. And they said that the storage capacity behind the truck is incredibly impressive, which is cool because hmm. in the videos, it's actually when people are standing next to it, it does look quite large. But in the photos, because it's so sleek, it almost looks like a car. And yeah, it does. Sl- I think the sloped bed of the vehicle is mm-hmm. one of the reasons the rear bed actually pulls out, makes it easier to store stuff. And the interior is quite cyberpunky, but still looks pretty comfortable and has a lot of room. It can fit an ATV in the truck. Yes, the it back. can fit an ATV in the back. Everyone who's ridden in it said uh, compliments how much room there is in the back. There's just a lot of space everywhere in the car. It will have an air compressor on it, which is cool. Which is really helpful, I guess, if you need to fill up a slow leak as well. I don't get why everything doesn't have that nowadays. Because like, yeah, just some compressed air to just fill up my tire real quick when my low tire pressure warning comes on. Yep. Uh, yeah, this thing is, it's just looking at it. It's so cool. The dual motor AWD, which is their middle of the line production, is 4.5 seconds to get to zero to 60. And then you get to the top of the line, which is around, I believe, $70,000, which is still, for if you look at this thing, I mean, how futuristic it looks and how, how well it performs. They say it's like the strength of a pickup and the power of a sports car. It's not untrue. Zero to 60 in less than 2.9 seconds. Wow. This is for their tri-motor all-wheel drive uh, version. And it's got a range of over 500 miles in one charge, which is insane. Yeah. It is the most of any Tesla they've built yet. So it really is the coolest car. It's the car of the future, or so it looks. <laughs> uh, if anyone wants to get me a Christmas present for the year 2021, <laughs> you start saving down. You know I get. would absolutely appreciate it. I'll get you back at some point. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Um, I wasn't originally going to talk about it because it's cars and we haven't done cars yet. I love the style of cars and look of cars, but I'm also bad at technical stuff. You're more you're you're there for the aesthetic. I'm there for the aesthetic. And and oh, this thing delivers. Yeah. So that's my news. I have one review, but we'll, if we have time, what you got next? Uh, so for anyone who has already started binging the original Lizzie McGuire episodes on Disney Plus, hands up. Uh, <laughs> some exciting news was just announced for the upcoming revival series. Gordo is back. Adam Lamberg will be reprising his role and it will be recurring, not just a one off cameo. Quote, Gordo was an essential piece of the puzzle to what made the original Lizzie McGuire so authentic and beloved, said Hilary Duff, who will executive produce the revival in addition to starring in it. Uh, we'll also see Hallie Todd, Robert Carradine, and Jake Thomas to return to their roles as Joe, Sam, and Matt McGuire, Lizzie's parents and little brother. So the new series will pick up just as Lizzie is about to turn 30. Per Disney, quote, she seemingly has it all. Her dream job as an assistant to a fancy New York City interior designer, her dream guy and picturesque Brooklyn apartment, but things aren't always as they seem. 
With little help from her old friends and some new ones to come, her well-meaning family and her 13-year-old alter ego in animated form. Yes. <laughs> Lizzie navigates the ups and downs of adulthood. So we'll uh, have to see who else returns. As of yet, there's no word on Lelaine, the actress who played Miranda, uh, Lizzie's best friend. But it would be awesome to see the trio all back together for the show. So I'm very excited for that news. Nice. I've never seen an episode. I have no idea I who these people are. I didn't think that you did, but... But I did read that article that the guy was returning. Ah, see? But I, I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> so her animated character is still going to be 13? Why not? Grow up. <laughs> what other news you got? Um. Well, my last thing is just more of an interesting tidbit of information that came out this week. Just in time for a, the release of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Did you hear about Tom Hanks? I did. Yeah. So he's actually related to Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. The two of them are sixth cousins uh, sharing the same great, 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 great grandfather. <laughs> That's five times. And he had no idea uh, about this information when he took the role. So what's kind of creepy to me is that Tom Hanks didn't go out seeking this information. Ancestry.com figured it out. And then he was actually told by Access Hollywood during an interview, like, surprise. Hey, Tom, we got your DNA. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely some degree of an invasion of privacy. But at the same time, we're all handing over our <laughs> DNA literally to Ancestry.com. So well, when they solve crimes, I'm OK with it. But when they just like tell random people like did they tell Access Hollywood, we got your next yeah. scoop, guys. $700. I think that's what and, bothers uh, me. Add on your spot. Is and that we'll they tell didn't you. go, hey, Tom Hanks, guess what? They went, hey, Access Hollywood, guess what? Well, did they have someone else's DNA who just happened to be related, more closely related to both of them, maybe? Oh, I don't know. I don't. That's, uh, yeah, that's. That's the, toe in the line. Ugh, I don't like that. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think about that before. Yeah. I didn't know how he got that information. Yeah. Ugh. Like, very cool that he's related. And it makes sense because he seems to fit into the role so well. I'm going to hide but, from the future in my very futuristic. Yeah, there track. you go. That makes sense. Because <laughs> the future <laughs> is scary. The future is now. <laughs> All right. So what you got? I don't got anything else but a, oh, wait, a baby Yoda. <laughs> so if you haven't yet, we have to talk about uh, the Mandalorian because um, mm -hmm. it's fantastic. It is. And I have spoken. So The Mandalorian is on Disney+. Plus. It has finally come out. It is not about Boba Fett, I'm sorry, but a different Mandalorian bounty hunter who mm -hmm. is very similar to Boba Fett, but not because I guess it's easier to create a new backstory for a character or something. I don't know. He's played by the awesome Pedro Pascal, but he never takes off his mask. He doesn't speak very often, which is awesome because the show is done more like an old Western, which is okay, kind yeah. of similar to how George Lucas envisioned, I feel like, part of his world of Star Wars. Star oh, Wars was always sure. kind of half samurai movie, half Western. Yeah. That just happened to take place in space. We're a galaxy far, far away. So the Mandalorian obviously is a bounty hunter, part of this kind of mysterious clan of humanoids who always wear their armor and worship guns as part of their religion. He, the movie takes place shortly after Return of the Jedi, so the Empire has fallen. The Mandalorian gets a job from either an ex or kind of splinter cell Imperial group, wanting them to collect um, one of their projects that has gone missing. Come to find out in the first episode, spoiler alert, it's a baby Yoda. No. If you've been anywhere on the internet, you have seen you have this seen baby, baby Yoda. Yoda. And yep. it is the most adorable thing since Gizmo. Uh, I want one. Everyone wants one. <laughs> 
So the Mandalorian, tasked with either killing the baby or returning the baby as his bounty, takes the baby as his own. And I feel like he's just conflicted on what to do with the baby. Obviously, yeah. he cares for the baby, it seems. Um, but does he only care because he's getting money from it? We do not know yet. Although yeah. Mandalorians, I feel, are an... I don't know if they're honorable. We, that is, that's also yet to really be seen. Uh, but this Mandalorian seems like an okay guy. I mean... Yeah. You've also got Nick Nolte as an Ugnaught, which if you've seen Empire Strikes Back, are those annoying little guys on Cloud City that take apart C-3PO and start throwing his head around so that Chewbacca can't catch the head. Uh, but this Ugnaught is older, has bought his freedom, is living on a Tatooine-like planet, and helps the Mandalorian out and always says, I have spoken when he makes I a decision. Spoken. And you've got to deal with it because the Ugnaught guy said what he said and deal with it. Yep. You also get some Jawa killing. Jawa battling, crazy Jawas eating eggs, furry uh, eggs. The show, yeah, oh. furry eggs. The show is weird. The production budget's amazing. It's one of the most expensive television shows ever produced. And when you look at it on the on the screen, you can that's tell. where the money went. Yeah, and it's awesome. Yep. The one downside to the show that I would say so far is it's only a half hour per episode, which yep. doesn't give you a lot of time to really unpack anything. To flesh it out. And do yeah. a story. And a lot of the stuff seems to be filler so far. Yep. In at least two out of the three episodes, there is a montage. Just seems there to fill what isn't much of a time slot. Yeah, it, it could be a lot more informative. Yeah. Uh, so I think pretty much everybody was disappointed in that or a little, I don't know, saddened. Mm hmm. You know, they said it was going to be an eight episode well, TV yeah, because show. The, people, the anticipation of it. Yeah. And I think it, people expected TV show like that to be a, an hour long show. Yeah. Not a cartoon show, but it's everything you expect from Star Wars minus the Jedi, which is fine because we don't always need Jedi. That isn't what makes Star Wars great. It's one of the great things about Star Wars, but mm -hmm. the Jedi are in everything. It, it's it's good to have every once in a while a non-Jedi type Star Wars universe show. And what better than the Mandalorian who's a badass bounty hunter? So I'm excited to see the rest of the show. It's eight episodes. Um, the first two episodes premiered kind of out of its normal sequence. sequence. Yeah. But they will mostly be shown on Fridays going forward. Mm -hmm. The only Friday it will not be shown is the Friday of... It won't be shown the day after Christmas because obviously no one's going to watch it. Yeah. And it won't be shown That's just the smart. <laughs> December 20th, which is when Rise of Skywalker comes um, out because they don't want to compete with their own movie. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Because clearly anybody who wants to see The Mandalorian, it's going to be in that theater. Yeah. So Fridays... The Mandalorian, they're 30 minute episodes, but they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. Check it out if you have Disney Plus. If you don't already have Disney Plus already for the huge, huge, huge amount of Disney shows, movies, all the backlogs, and yeah. all the backlog stuff that you can check out on Disney Plus, including Marvel, Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, all those Disney original everything. movies. The only thing I will say about Disney Plus that I'm a little disappointed about my classic Mickey, man. I watched Disney Channel in the early 90s. When they had mouse tracks and there was always old school Mickey. You don't even have Mickey and the Mad Doctor, the cartoon where Pluto appears. And I'm going to say this on this, this podcast and hopefully Disney's listening. I doubt they are. <laughs> but how can you not have that one? You're Disney. Yeah. I mean, I get That's it. That's the first Pluto. I understand where your frustration comes from, but I was not a Disney Channel kid. I didn't have Disney Channel in our house until like third or fourth grade. You have no like episodes of the Mouseketeers on this. No, no. episodes of the Mouseketeers. So, you have like 30 years of Mouseketeers you can put on it. And where's my Adventures in Wonderland? Where are my really, really super old school Disney? And I'm, I'm Guys, he's positive. really fired up right I'm now. I'm not 100% positive, but I think Under the Umbrella Tree was also Disney. Oh, I bet I don't I know. I want my Under the Umbrella Tree. All right. <laughs> All right. These are shows that I only vaguely recall, but very fond memories of that I want to see in full now in my cyber truck drinking 
Bake sale. Bake sale. Parked <laughs> in my driveway because I always drive responsibly. End quote. Nice way to wrap it up there. All neat. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> nice little bow on top. So uh, I think that's going to do it for us this week, folks. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Once again, we are drinking Bake Sale by Tribus Brewery in Milford, Connecticut. Oh, yeah. And eating butter cookies from scratch baking. Which is also amazing. If you have a chance <laughs> to stop by, it's in downtown Milford on the green. Yep. Uh, and if you like Tribus Brewing and you are in the area on Wednesday before Thanksgiving. This coming Wednesday. They are doing their Thanksgiving banger. Banger. Where they will be releasing some Thanksgiving themed beers. I believe there's going to be a DJ uh, live tattooing. Ooh. So it should be fun. We're going to be there. Yes. Or at least we're going to try our best to be there. We'll we're going to be there. Uh, <laughs> you guys should come down too. If you guys want to meet us in person, we'll be there. If not, just chill out and have some beers. Yeah. That's fine too. We love you anyway. That's right. Tribus, this, honestly, this is, this is amazing. This yeah. is, I, I love Capulus. Mm -hmm. I think Bake Sale is their best beer I think they've done. It, it's, uh, it's up there. It's, it's very unique and it does hold its own as, I mean, like I said, I don't drink enough stouts to really compare it to anything else, but it's definitely the best damn stout I've had. Yeah. She doesn't usually like stouts and yeah. she likes this. So that, that says a lot right there. It's true. So if you enjoyed our episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kraken1Open. And if you'd like to hear more of me expose my wisdom on films and filmmaking, <laughs> you can listen to my other podcast, Forgotten Cinema, that I do with my buddy Mike Field. It's a podcast about movies that for some reason were forgotten by audiences, whether a movie was uh, came out during a more popular movie's release date, or maybe the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll talk about what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, and why we think it was forgotten. And we'll always recommend that you give it a rewatch. We cover movies from way back in the day to mm -hmm. a couple of years ago or just came out and seem to slip away that we just think deserve a second chance. And that podcast comes out every Wednesday, Forgotten Cinema, uh, wherever podcasts can be found. And we're on the social medias and also on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. There you go. Special thanks uh, for our theme composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Till next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>